Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast for me, Mark Quiz. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. If you want to know more about what's happening in the NBA, of course, we're reaching mid-season and the championship race is very much on. If you want some intel on that, you can read my regular column at Smarkets. That's S with a Markets on the end. Just search for Smarkets News. Head to the NBA page. This week, you'll get my piece on the mid-season tips and where the season might go. Now... This week, we've got one of the rising stars of, of the BBL. He is a domestic star. I think he's going to go very far. He's been so impressive this season in the colours of the Bristol Flyers. His first season as a pro, but the ceiling seems very high. Jelani Watson-Gale, welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, you are the anointed new kid on the block. And... Um, and yeah, I commented on your game a few weeks ago, and I was so impressed. Kieran Achara was with you. We were so impressed with you in terms of the ability you've got and the impression you've made. Andreas Capullo is speaking so highly of you. Um, it's the first season out of college, which is always a sort of tricky in, environment. Has it gone better than you expected it to go? Um, no, I wouldn't say better than I've expected. No, so I me, mean, I've got like high expectations for myself and I'm very confident so if anything I feel like I still haven't I'm not playing consistent enough so I would say it probably hasn't gone as good as I thought it would not as good as I thought it would but in terms of my performance I'm not satisfied with my performance per se How did you get ready for this? Because I mean, you mean you're a good college career but you come into the yeah. pros and there's a different kind of mindset and obviously you're going to back home different league and um, what was the prep like in terms of sitting down and going, this is what I need to do to be ready? Um, to be fair, I think throughout my college career, I trained, I practiced, and I approached the game like a pro. I would, I would say so. And my coach, all my coaches at my schools, they would say the same and they encouraged me to do the same and made sure that I, made, that I stayed consistent with that approach. So I think it's just over the years, and it's more so uh, um, more the mental side. I had to work on more the mental side, the mental aspect of the game, approaching the season. How much of that's been shaped? I mean, talk about mental attitude. And what impressed me is that you, you left home in London on your own. You head to the States at the age of 15. Now, that takes a certain kind of, you know, chutzpah and you know, bravery to do it. Was that something you think from an early age you were like, you know, I've got to do these things. If I'm going to go in, I'm going all in on this. Yeah, definitely. Um, what played a big part was my brother. So I remember being like 16 years old. I left at 16. So I remember being 16, going to see a few um, EABL schools and stuff and just not really seeing myself there. And I remember one day my brother came home and it was just me, my brother, my mum. And he was like, Mum, he needs to go to States now. Like, he needs to go right now when he's 16. Not when he's 18, he needs to go now. And I think that, I, was, I saw that. And then at, at the moment, I thought nothing of it. But like now when I sit back and reflect, 
Like I see that's actually quite a big deal for a 16 year old boy to just leave his family and just go across the world. And I, I, I pretty much didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just knew I was playing basketball. So like looking back, it's, it was, it was, it was crazy. But in the moment, I just felt like I just that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I had to do. Uh, Mike is your brother, and he's he's now a, he's he's a FIBA agent, so he's still in the game. He's a talent pathway officer in basketball as well. And um, I mean, obviously, you've got someone there who's to look up to, and you're sort of following the path. But you, what advice was? You say that he was pushing you, but what advice was he able to give you in kind of getting into this sport? Um, getting into it, he kind of showed me the extra stuff that was needed to, to be good. So there'll be times where me and my brother would wake up early before school, we'd go on runs, and I'm younger, so he's leaving me, so I'm trying to catch him and stuff. <laughs> um, just in the summer, we'll go to the parks at night time, like just little stuff like that. And uh, just hearing the struggles that he had within the game, just like mental struggles or like coaching struggles or stuff. And him just being able to prep me and just so I know what, what was to come. Do you, I mean, you say the playgrounds and um, yeah, and it, it's that thing where, you know, you, you kind of get that toughness and you get that skill. I mean, how many, let's, let's put it in respect, how many nights, how many hours a week were spent with the two of you guys going one-on-one or, you know, I don't know, teaming up against everyone else. Yeah. I mean, uh, one-on-one, I actually, I actually don't remember playing a lot of one-on-one with my brother, which is kind of weird. Um, but it was just more so just training him, kind of showing me what to do. But then my, my brother also left to go to America. So I think when I was about 14, 15, he went to America for two years. So I didn't, I didn't he wasn't in the house for about two years. So I was, I was on my own a lot as well. And what what sort of aspiration level for you came you know through basketball because you, know, you you came through the new young bloods program which is you know, has produced a lot of really good players but what was the sort of light bulb moment where you thought you know what this I kind of want to take this seriously I want to do something with this when I was when I was playing for Leighton Orient I was playing for Young Bloods and Leighton Orient at the same time and I ended up getting called up for the London team. And I think it was at that point, I kind of realised, okay, I'm recognised as one of the best players in London at my age. I think that was the point when I realised, you know what, I could be pretty good at this. And this was before I was taking it as serious. So, yeah, I think it's really that point. You said they were in the Youngbloods, and, you know, a talent factory there. Um, and, you know, lots, lots of guys have come through that. have done so well. What what's, was unique about that program for you and preparing you and giving the, that, that base that we all we all sort of need to then build on? Um, I think what was unique about that was we didn't start off good at all. I remember my first year playing, I think we won one game. And I think the next year we won three games. Then the next year we probably won about seven, like just scraped playoffs, lost first round. Then in my last two years, we made it to Final Fours. So I think it was just like sticking to the grind there. That really helped. Um, I also had a lot of coaches around me that believed in me and pushed me. And I was also, it was good to be around the older players. So I would practice with the, uh, when I was under 40, I practiced with under 60s, under 18s, even playing a couple games with them. And like just being exposed to older guys, bigger guys, stronger guys helped. 
being surrounded by coaches that really cared and pushed me. And just me, I was I was the I was pretty much the most talented player on my team most times. So I was just thrown in leadership roles. And I think I really learned a lot about being a leader. I even remember this one time when I was, we were under 14s and like we had a team meeting and one of my, um, I used to get kind of frustrated and, and shout a lot. And one of my teammates, his name's Elliot, he pretty much told me, he was like, Jelani, we don't like when you shout at us. Like it doesn't come off good. It doesn't make us feel good. And like, I remember that to this day. So like now I've, I've, I've been a leader on all my teams. I, I know like how to talk to people, how not to talk to certain people and how certain people need to be spoken to in a certain way. So yeah. Does that, you know, in, in that environment of basketball and, you know, everyone is, there's a sort of competition, you know, you started by yeah. being the best in line. Everyone wants to kind of be the best in their own sphere and being the best in their own team at times as well. And getting that balance between being supportive, driving your teammates on, but I'll see individualistically, you want to stand out, you want to do well, especially when you're, you're upcoming. And mm-hmm. what was the best piece of advice you got? I mean, you say there from a teammate, but from a coach, how did coaches shape you to find that right balance between asserting your personality, but also being part of a team? I remember my first coach, Rebecca King. She would always say, because I was very intense and passionate, that could come out wrong through, like, like I said before, that kind of, getting on my team, shouting at them and stuff. She would always preach about having a level head and blocking out the noise. Um, my coach, Caroline, she would also uh, stress the importance of getting my teammates involved. Because at that young age, when I, when, you get, when I used to get frustrated, I used to try and take it all, take it all on myself. But that's just, it's, it, it can work sometimes, but majority of the time it's just a recipe for disaster. It's not going to work, it's a team game. Um, what else? I think just yeah, really stressing the importance of a team because it's, it's it's you need five five players to win. One person isn't going to win, and that was evident in some games where I tried to take matters into my own hands and it didn't work. And there was games where I had to, I wasn't having the best games. I had to lean, lean and rely on my teammates to see it through. So yeah, I think that mainly. What's intriguing about that is you mentioned female coach. Um, yeah. Not always typical, particularly with you know young young males or even males teams full stop. Um, did that give a bit of a d- different dynamic in terms of the way that you approach the game, the maybe way you listen to coaches, the way you were instructed? That you could look back and go, actually, that kind of helped. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, because even though they were female coaches, they were still very intense. <laughs> so like that intensity has been there throughout it's like me now like nowadays I've had some intense coaches to the point where I've had coaches that I can have a coach like shout and scream in my face and it won't phase me because I'm just I'm just used to that do you know what I mean but no I don't think I don't think so I don't I don't think I have noticed a difference or or, or something like that no what, what's what's been the you, you can maybe name names so you don't have to name names but do you, do you feel you've responded, do you respond better to that at one end of the spectrum, the screaming shouting, the other end of the spectrum, calm, personified, and then somewhere in the middle? Or, or is there points when you benefit from one or the other? 
I would say there's points where I benefit because there's times where like where I haven't been playing as well and my coach has pretty much called me out in front of everyone screaming in my face and then that lights a fire in me to obviously change the way I'm playing and stuff. But then there's times where you might be feeling a bit down and that shouting isn't going to help you. You're going to need some more encouragement. Um, so I think it's just it's just time and place and situation. But like me, I try and like, whenever I get feedback from a coach, I try to listen to what they're saying, not how they're saying it. So when you listen to how, it can it like mess up the message and you just need to listen to what they're saying, not how they're saying it. What's the worst chewing night you've ever got and did you deserve it? <laughs> um, I remember this one game I was at Mars my coach Coach Watson we ended up losing a game we weren't supposed to lose and he was literally going around the change room and letting everyone have it he's letting everyone have it and there was one time where he was like to me pretty much like in front of everyone like Jelani you might just have to come to the to the effect uh, and to the point that you're just not as good as you think you are and yeah, he's pretty much just said that in front of everyone. And I just got so annoyed. I remember just on the bus back home, I'm typing notes in my phone, just venting in my phone about how I felt about it at the time and stuff. That was one. There was another one. I think I went like, it was at halftime, I went 0 for 6. And my coach chewed me out at halftime. I can't remember what he said, but it was kind of bad. Then I came out halftime, I hit like seven threes in a row. Like just, so yeah, I think those two was probably the worst. I mean, <laughs> you mentioned Leighton Orient. Um, for those who are in a basketball double, a, a successful lower league, East London team in the, the, the yeah. English football pyramid, the Mighty O's. And um, you were in their academy. So you, you're, before all this, you pretty talented footballer. Yeah, so I started off playing for Loas, which is like the development team into the, it's like a partner program in a way for Lane Orient. So I came in and I started at Orient under nines. And I think I ended up getting released under 13s, I believe. But like I didn't, like even to even till now, I didn't realise like how big of a thing it was to be playing for that team at the time because I was even talking to my friend the other day and like when when I was like 13 14 some of my peers some of the guys I've played with in the year above my year Premier League clubs are buying them for like 200k 500k and stuff and I'm I'm I didn't realize I didn't realize that the situation I was actually in until like now when I think about it but yeah it was big I played football in the states as well for my high school team yeah did you think you maximized your ability in football or was that the level and the right time to not say uh, leave football but be asked to leave football in a sense do you know what it was i remember at first i was just kind of bigger than everyone else bigger and stronger i played center back i had a bit of skill but i had to work on it which i did I, like i used to be in my garden working on my skills and stuff but I didn't have that same passion that I had for basketball. Because there'll be times where I'll go to my games, like football games, and I'll come back to my dad's house and I'm playing, 
I'm, I've got a basketball. I'm in my full Leighton Orient tracks. We're going to the park with a basketball in my hand and people are looking at me like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I maximise it, no, because I don't think I put... I've seen what I've put into basketball. I didn't put nowhere near close to that into football. You you come through the pyramid, yeah, and you've been at England as a junior level and then yeah. up to GB under 20s. We'll come to the senior possibility later on. But there was this point where you talked about camps and going to England yeah. junior camps. And it's that plague in this country where it's not like in other places where if you're a talented youngster, you get support and it's there in a plate because you invest in talent if you're a successful basketball country, which might say everything about why we're not a hugely successful basketball country. Mm-hmm. But there was a real hero in the midst of this very close to home who got you to those camps tell me about her yeah it's my mother um yeah my mum got so much love for her she's anything that i've wanted to do anything she supported me for it like even just to go off topic for a bit when i first thought i wanted to go to america i kind of just like said yeah mom, i want to go to america she was the one that got on the visa process the um what's it called Pretty much everything to do with the embassy, she was on it. She's like, Jay, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this. I'm just looking at her like this. And then with those camps, at the time, I think we had to go, we had to pay for those camps. So we'd have to pay like 50, I think like 50 to 60 a camp or something like that. So my mom, she applied for some grants. We, we got awarded with some grants. But then I remember there was a few times where my mom, she she's a masseuse on the, uh, on the side. And there's times where I've seen her her clients pay her, and she's given she's put the money straight in my pocket just so I can go and uh, play for the play at the camps. How much does that drive you, even at that age, to drive you to kind of make sure that money and your mum's effort isn't wasted? Yeah, um, it was just it was just big for me to see the just to see how the support from her. Do you know what I mean? So like me seeing that support made me want to just go even harder and just put my all in, into it. You got into the England of the 16 team, and that's the kind of first you know, first step in the international ladder. But you know, for you, I guess that must have been quite a pivotal moment. Yeah, so I, I would say that was a pivotal moment for two reasons. The first reason was just about my mindset. Because uh, at first I, I played for London under 15s at the regional tournament, and that's normally where they pick out the poor players who they want to bring into the England program. So initially I didn't get picked. It wasn't until I went to final fours with the under 16s when I was under 15 that I actually got picked because I played pretty well at the uh, final fours. So I think there was like a mindset shift. Like I didn't want to, I never wanted to get discouraged. And I always wanted to say, like, I have to force my hand. So, like, if a coach, I have to make a coach for, like, I've got no choice but to but to have him. So, like, I carry that with me now. I carry with that when I was working out for colleges. I carry that with me with every team I play on. I want to give my coach, like, no choice but, like, I've got no choice but to play him. And I think that that's where that mindset started. And then the second aspect was... When I finally did get selected, I, I wasn't playing as confident. And I was kind of like skeptical, playing a bit scared in a way, I would say. 
And I think just that playing scared. And that was like the first time that I hadn't really played. I was getting benched a lot at the under 16 level, which was kind of tough for me at the time because I wasn't used to that. But now after after experiencing that, I would always like, I would always say like, you know what? Play with the utmost confidence because you don't have any regrets. And like, if you don't believe in yourself, then no one will. Do you find that in this country? I mean, we have that pathway and it's a bit disjointed. Yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But one thing you always find in other countries is that level of internal competition. You see it in AAU basketball in the States where everyone knows what everyone else is doing. And you kind of have to benchmark yourself against that. And you regularly get opportunities to play against everyone else. So there is that that fire of competition to, to show yourself and show yourself against your peers. Did you feel that you got enough of that, you know, outside of those international camps, you know, to really understand where you stand right across the whole nation? Right across the whole nation, I'd probably say no. Only I would only say that because at the time when I was playing, which was a few years ago now, we only really played London teams. So I would only really be exposed to the London guys. And it wasn't until I started, we started going deeper in the playoffs and actually making Final Fours that now we're playing against like the Sheffields, the Manchesters and stuff like that. So yeah, in terms of nationwide, not really. But at the camps, um, the camps was good because now we're seeing guys from all over and it's kind of like, at the club level, you have that competition and like a bit of animosity between one another. But at the camp, that just goes all out the window. Do you know what I mean? You went, you went to the states, and you went to, ironically, Westminster School, not the one in London, yeah. Yeah, Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters. Yeah. Um, why did you pick that place? Because yeah, it's, it's, I know Augusta. It's kind of out in the sticks a little bit of Georgia. I mean, everyone that sort of looks at the Masters and thinks it's this giant place it basically is a giant golf course behind an iron gate yeah. with guard dogs in the front and then there's a town um what what was that you know, what was that choice about where did it come from um well when i was i was looking to go high school i was just emailing a bunch of high schools so i was emailing a bunch emailing a bunch and obviously i didn't get a response from quite a few then the ones that i did get responses from because uh, they were private schools were very pricey and um, a couple reached back but Westminster Westminster was the one that reached back was which was leading into me the most and was the most affordable at the time and I also one of my brother's friends actually went to that school as well so he told me about it and he said that he had a good experience there as well so it was that really with with that side experience, I mean, you went you went D two in college um, to two different places, and you know, people, I guess in this country, they just think it's D one. It's got to be D one, and you know, yeah. we've seen that with other players that have come through that it's not the be all and end all of everything. Um, yeah. For you, good experience. Yeah, great experience. Um, I had coaches that believed in me. Um, I was able to play a lot of minutes my freshman year. I started my freshman year playing about 30 minutes a game. Got racked up a good few amount of awards, won some championships. And yeah, man, got to see a, a bit of the States. My last year when I went to Fresno, 
got to this time last year we was in Hawaii playing in Hawaii and stuff. So <laughs> I had a good I had a good college career, I had some good fun man. What's the advantage of, of D two for some players over D two? You said what's the advantage? Yeah. Um I think with some D1s, I think the advantage is like, there's a saying, go where you're needed, not where you're wanted. So there might be some D1s where players are wanted, but some D2s where they're needed. And then if you're needed, a coach is going to build around you, push you, prioritize you. And some guys might need that. And for you, in Obviously, you get playing time as well, which some you know that for a lot of players is important because you know you want to get stronger. And you know, D one, we've seen British players end up playing a minute or two on the bench, and essentially yeah. just get you you lie there gathering dust. Do you think that that probably preps you better for the pros when you can get minutes and you can you know, you're more opportunity to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. You're more opportunity to practice your craft in a game situation. Is that? Do you think that was a contributor in the sense that you can hit the ground running now? Definitely, definitely. Um, it's as well. It's, it's funny because like in the states, a lot of people would say like, good Division two schools. Like, the difference isn't the guards. Like the guards aren't the, the 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 difference. The different factor. It's more so the bigs. So like. Guards and the guards in D2 and D1 are on similar levels. Like, there's a lot of D2 guards that came from D1s. And there's a lot of D2 guards that could go D1. But, yeah, I think me playing definitely, it definitely prepared me. Because as well, it's like the fact that you're playing a lot, you're having a lot of success, that adds to your mental and that adds to your confidence. And confidence is, is, is huge in basketball. So if, I'm, if, 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 if I didn't play as much, didn't score as much, didn't play make as much, didn't win as much, I probably wouldn't have the confidence that I have now in myself. 11 points a game, mostly off the bench, the Flyers. You guys are sitting second place, best start in Bristol's history, 17-6 record. Um, it must be nice, though, to come back and play in a winning team as opposed to coming back and you know, fitting in at the bottom or you know, playing for Surrey. Yeah, that's... I know they beat you in the trophy, but, you know, a team like that. Is, is there a positive vibe that you're really feeding off? Um, yeah, I would say there's a positive vibe. I mean, I'm used to being a winning team, so, like, that's my expectation. Like, everywhere I go, I expect to win because I'm used to being on winning teams. But the overall vibe is it's just it's, 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 it's a very good vibe. We've got a very good coach that cares about every single one of us. And I think we've got a really nice team that all want to see each other do well. And I think that's that's the main thing. Like we all support each other. We all know that it could be anyone's night and we're going to support them through that. And we all get along as well. Do you have a target that you guys have set? I mean, we're all kind of assuming that London are going to win the league. And I'm sure like, you know, as players, you always go, yeah, we can, we can overhaul them. But that's the kind of assumption that we're all making. So now that we're in that sort of last third of the league season, have you guys talked about, you know, we want to finish second? Or what? Yeah, what is the kind of target? Yeah, definitely. We spoke about finishing second. Uh, well, we've already finished finishing the season as, as well as we can. Not dropping any more games that we shouldn't drop. And also just getting in that playoff final. 
Because, yeah, your best start since, since you said forever, pretty much. And we've been winning games, but we haven't won anything. We've got knocked out the cup, knocked out the trophy. So, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I know our team doesn't want to just have these small successes in terms of, like, breaking small records, but not winning anything and not having anything to show for it. The other big thing for you in the horizon, Great Britain, a couple of World Cup qualifiers coming up to to end off the campaign. Um, you know, Mark still either have picked his team or he's sitting around mulling it over right now. And you're a player that I think is going to be there. Are you going to get consideration? Other people, Andreas, have said, yeah, I think he's ready. Um, do you feel like you're ready? You feel this is the time to, to make this next step, at least into the squad to start getting your name in the frame? Do I feel like I'm ready? Yeah, definitely. Like I told you, I'm I'm a confident guy. So I think I'm ready, yeah. But I'm I know that I'm a confident but I also know that there's always more work to be done. So I'm never really satisfied. So yeah, I think I'm ready, definitely. How much are you using that? You know, whether it's you know, a call into the twenty four to kind of at least get a sense of where you stand and that you know, that you're being looked at and there's a next stage, you know, which would be getting in a twelve or, you know, being in the rotation. But how much are you using that as a motivation to a for that self improvement, but else you know to make that statement and make this a part of your future to be a regular international player? You said, "Am I using it for motivation?" Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm really using it as motivation. With me, like I want to focus on improving my game and playing at a high level consistently. And I think once I'm playing at that high level consistently and I'm continuing to work on my game, then everything else will take care of itself and fall in place. I'm going to put you on the spot. Where's where's the future lie? Is it beyond the BBL? Where are you setting the goal? Where's the benchmark for you? Where does my future lie? Yeah. Um, see, like right now, I just like to, to stay in the moment and just stay in the moment and worrying about what I've got to do right now. I don't want to worry too much about that and the future and stuff. I kind of found myself doing that at the start of the season, worrying about next year or the years after and all that sort of stuff. And I saw my my game take a dip. So I don't like to think too far ahead. I'll just really try to stay in the moment. Well said. Bigger, bigger stages, bigger leagues. We'll see you there. We'll see you in GB. That's 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 my prediction, and I'm sticking to it. Um, it's been great seeing your progress the season back and back here. Um, keep on improving, keep doing what you're doing. It's been great to watch, and I'm sure there's much more to come. And Jelani, thanks for joining the MVP cast. No worries, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. That is it for this edition of the MVP cast. Don't forget, you can get all our previous editions via the website at mvp247.com, or you can ask your smart device to find us or go to your preferred podcast provider. If you want to reach out to me, always good to hear from you. You can get me on Twitter at Mark Britball. We'll have another edition of the podcast very, very soon with me, Mark Woods. Thanks for your company and for listening. We'll see you again soon.